Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Okay, take a look at your hands for a minute this morning. Just go and take a look at them, put your phone down, get them out of your pocket, you know, wherever you're, if you're sitting on them, just sort of, you know, get them out and uh, just have a look at them. You know, your hands actually tell you and the rest of us a lot about you and what's important to you. Your hands, as you're looking at them right now, they actually might tell us that you've been working hard. They might tell us that you've been working out. They might tell us that you're getting old. Who, uh, as they're looking at their hands this morning, just says, man, I'm getting old and I didn't notice. You know, our hands tell us that we're getting old. Our hands might tell us that we're getting married. Put your hand up if you're getting married this year. Anyone? Hey, congratulations. Put your hands together for these guys. That's awesome. Yeah, our hands, our hands tell us, you know, what's going on in our lives that might tell us what colour we like, or it might tell us what nail we like to bite. Come on, be honest, who else here bites their nails? Me too, disgusting habit. Do you know I have not cut my nails with scissors since I've had teeth? You know, I <laughs> I've been biting them. My whole life, I've got no idea why. Our hands tell us a lot about ourselves. And our hands are actually really powerful. You know, hands have the power to hurt. And they also have the power to heal. Hands can cause great pain. And hands can bring great pleasure. You know, hands are so powerful that we can control a whole person just by cuffing their hands. You know, our hands are powerful, and our hands actually communicate how we feel. You know, we use our hands to say, you know, we're okay, or we're good, or we're not so good, or we're terrible. You know, our hands communicate how we feel. You know, we might use our hands to actually show respect, or to reject you know, we, we use our hands to communicate love and peace or hatred and anger. You know, our hands, you know, we use our hands to, to communicate and our hands tell us what's most important to us throughout the different stages of our lives. You know, as little babies, we suck our thumbs because what's really important to us is that we're able to soothe and comfort ourselves and we've got no other way of doing it. As we get a little bit older, we use our hands to reach out and take hold of our parents' hands as toddlers. When we start to get into a big, scary world, we hold on to our parents' hands to find comfort. As we get a little bit older and become teenagers, we no longer want to hold the hand of our parents. You know, we want to hold the hand of someone of the opposite sex that we love. 
I mean, I, I remember when I was 14 years old, I was already in love with Susan. She wasn't yet in love with me. I don't know why. You know, I was uh, smooth, witty, charming. I had a, a mullet that was just starting to flow. And, uh, but, you know, she wasn't all that Im- impressed. But I remember at, as four, at 14, I was already in love with her and I would walk into church and I'd walk past the sound desk and the sound desk at our church would always have a list of the songs that they were going to play during the service. And there was a song we used to sing back then, some of you will remember it, who remembers singing, Bind Us Together, Lord, with chords that cannot be broken. All right, you're all as old as me or older. And uh, I knew that if that was on the song list after the sermon... I knew what would happen. I knew the worship leader would get up and say, hey, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. We're going we're to hold the hand of the person next to us while we sing this song. And I, at 14, there was no way in the world I wanted to hold some sweaty, ugly bloke's hand. I wanted to hold Susan's hand. And when I I knew it was on the list, I would find a way, come hell or high water, of sitting next to her. I would squeeze in. I didn't care who was there. I was going to sit next to her because I knew what was coming. And I just couldn't wait for the preacher to finish. And he'd just go on and on and on. (laughs) It it never happens in this church, but but at at the church that I... The church that I grew up in, he just kept going on and on and on. And I just wanted him to stop so I could hold her hand. Because I loved her. You see, we don't just use our hands to survive. We actually use our hands, you know, to communicate what's happening on the inside. You see, what we do with our hands actually reveals what's in our heart. You see, you can... If you look back through your life, there'll be times that you can remember where you've used your hands for good. You know, you've, you've reached out to comfort, you've given a gift, you've, you've uh, reached out in reconciliation and forgiveness. You know, you've used your hands to bless and to build up, to comfort and to strengthen. You've used your hands for good and there'll be other times as you look back in your life, you've actually used your hands for evil. You've pointed accusing fingers. You know, you might have used your hands to hurt. You might have used your hands to push people away. You see, our hands are capable of good and evil, but they don't just work on their own. It's not like our hand is out there just out of control, doing its own thing. What we do with our hands comes out of our heart. You see, what we do with our hands actually reveals what is inside of our heart. And so when there is something good in our heart, we do something good with our hands. When when there is something evil, when there's hatred or anger in our heart, we do something evil with our hands. You see, what we do with our hands reveals what is in our heart. Now, this is important. When we look at the hands of Jesus... It reveals what is in the heart of God. You see, when we look at the hands of Jesus, when he put on flesh, when when God put on flesh and came to earth, what he did with his hands reveals what's in the heart of God. You know, no one has seen God in all of his glory, but it says that when Jesus came to earth and put on flesh, he was the exact representation of his being. 
So it means when you look at what Jesus does with his hands, you know what's going on in the heart of God. I love reading the Gospels. This little, you want to you know, do this in the next couple of weeks, just read through the Gospels and see what Jesus does with his hands. He, he uses his hands to, to, to reach out to children and put his hands on them and bless them when all of his disciples were pushing them away and saying, Jesus is too important for these little people and they're not important enough for him. But Jesus used his hands to, to bring them close and to hold them and put his hands on them and bless them. You know, Jesus used his hands to, to, to bless food and to provide food for hungry people. You know, Jesus used his hands to reach out to outcasts and let them know that they were loved and they were welcomed. Jesus used his hands to, to reach out and to touch those who were sick and to bring healing. Every time you read in the Gospels what Jesus did with his hands, it reveals what is in his heart. We're just going to read one story this morning but out of the Gospels, but we could read many. I'm just going to read one story about what Jesus does with his hands. It's recorded in all three Gospels. I'm going to read it in two of the Gospels. And uh, we're just going to see what is in the heart of God by looking at what Jesus does with his hands. Matthew chapter 8, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, what we see here is that this man with, with leprosy, he, he knows that Jesus has power, but he's not sure. He knows that he's got power to heal him, but he's not sure if he's got compassion in his heart to heal him. So he's a man of faith. He's got faith that Jesus has power. He's just not sure that Jesus got compassion for him in his heart. Have a listen to the way Mark records the rest of the story. He says, Being deeply moved with tender compassion, Jesus reached out and touched the skin of the leper and told him, Of course I want you to be healed. He says, I am willing to make you clean. So now, be cleansed. Instantly, his leprous sores completely disappeared. His skin became smooth. Jesus sent him away with a very stern warning, saying, don't say anything to anyone about what just happened, but go find a priest and show him that you've been healed. Then bring the offering that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a living testimony to everyone. But this guy couldn't keep his mouth shut. He was so overwhelmed with what Jesus did for him. No sooner did the man leave than he began to proclaim his healing publicly and spread the story everywhere of his healing. Jesus' growing fame prevented him from entering the villages openly, which forced him to remain in isolated places. Even so, a steady stream of people flocked to him from everywhere. You see, Jesus just recently preached the greatest sermon ever. Sermon on the Mount. Everyone is amazed at his teaching. You know, we take the Sermon on the Mount for granted. We kind of hear what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount and we just, you know, presume it's normal. 
Well, it has become normal for the last 2,000 years because Jesus has shaped our culture more than any other person in the world in the last 2,000 years. But it wasn't normal in the Roman Empire to forgive, to bless your enemies, to pray for those who are persecuted. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't normal to turn the other cheek. It wasn't normal to give to the needy. This was new teaching that Jesus was bringing into a culture that was doing the opposite. And they're amazed at his teaching. And so people start coming from everywhere because they've never heard anything like this. Jesus is the new guy in town. His fame is starting to spread. People want to hear this new teaching that they've never heard before. Jesus is the man of the moment. Everywhere he goes, crowds of people just, just follow him. They want to be near him. Then a man in the crowd appears with no name, no followers, no popularity, no one admires him. In fact, no one wants to get close to him and definitely no one wants to touch him. He's a leper. Now, you've got to understand back in, in Bible times, any skin disease you got, you had a simple rash, you were a leper. We don't really know you know, exactly what uh, disease he had. It could have been any one of any skin condition we get today that, you know, we rub ointment on it and, and it gets better. Or it could have been something much more serious. But this guy had a, had a skin condition that, that no one could get rid of. We don't know everything about the details of the disease. What we do know is that he was an untouchable we, what we do know is he wasn't allowed to be near people. He wasn't allowed to touch people and he wasn't allowed to let people touch him. He had to live outside of town, outside of the community. He wasn't allowed into the temple to worship like we are doing today. He couldn't, come, he couldn't be part of a worshiping community. He was considered unclean. See, it wasn't just that his skin looked unclean. It, it was that he was considered unclean before God. There was a social stigma that went with this disease. It, it was because the, the condition meant that he had sinned before God or his parents had sinned before God. And, and this is the way God was punishing him. And so he wasn't, just, he wasn't physically unclean. He was spiritually unclean. And he literally had to walk around in distinguishing clothes so people could see from a distance that he was a leper and you didn't go close. In fact, if he got anywhere near a crowd, he had to yell at the top of his voice, unclean. And it'd be like walking through Garden City this afternoon going, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, just so you know. That's his life. He's an untouchable. He was considered beyond the reach of God's love and God's compassion. No person was allowed to come within six feet of a leper, four cubits. Or if an east wind was blowing, a hundred cubits. I'm not sure why, but that's the rule. No one was allowed within reach in case you accidentally fell over and you're six foot tall and you bumped him. Because if you hit him, it wasn't just him that was unclean, you became unclean. 
You are now a dirty, rotten sinner simply by touching this man. And he appears before Jesus in the midst of a crowd that didn't want to go anywhere near him. And this unnamed, untouchable kneels down within six feet of Jesus or six feet from Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I love what Jesus says next. He says, of course I'm willing. Be clean. And I love the way Mark records what happens next. He says that Jesus is moved with tender compassion and he reaches out. It's not the leper that reaches out for Jesus. Jesus reaches out. He gets into that six-foot space. He has to reach out because the leper knows how far away he needs to be. He has to reach out and touch this man and he heals him. Now, we don't know whether Jesus healed him by his words or his touch. What we do know, and, and, and it's really important that, uh, that we see the context of this, directly after this, the gospel writers record two stories where we see that Jesus doesn't need to touch people to heal them. You know, the, the centurion servant Centurion comes to Jesus and says, my, my servant's sick, if, can, you, can, can you heal him? And Jesus says, well, take me to him and I'll heal him. And the centurion says, no, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Just give the word from here, not even in the vicinity of my servant, and he will be healed. And we see that Jesus simply speaks the word and the servant is healed at that moment, not even in the vicinity and then in Mark, he records the story of a paralytic that gets carried across town by his mates, lowered down through the roof on a mat. And, and, and Jesus doesn't reach out and pick him up so that he can walk. Jesus simply says to him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk out the room. And this man whose legs have been broken his whole life, who gets carried in on a mat, walks out the door on his own two legs without a helping hand from Jesus, but with a word of faith that heals him completely. You see, what we see in this story is that Jesus heals him with his word, heals the disease with his word, but he begins to heal his loneliness with a touch. You've got to understand, this guy has never been touched by another person for who knows how long. He hasn't known the touch of a parent. He hasn't known the touch of a comforting friend. He hasn't known the touch of a wife. He hasn't been able to hold a child in his hands. Jesus is the first person to touch him for who knows how long. This person who is considered unworthy of the touch of another person is considered worthy of a touch from the hands of God. You wanna know, you wanna know what's in the heart of God? Have a look at what Jesus does with his hands. He reaches out and he touches the untouchable. You know, Mother Teresa said, we got drugs for people with diseases like leprosy these days. 
But these drugs do not treat the main problem, the disease of being unwanted. That's what my sisters hope to provide. So Mother Teresa's ministry just tenderly cares for, embraces those who are dying. Embraces them as they're suffering. It didn't cure their disease, but it helped to cure their loneliness, their feeling of being unwanted and unworthy. I tell you, there's great power in a touch. You know, God's designed our bodies with, you know, millions of receptors all over our skin to respond to touch. But touch is far more powerful. You know this. I'm going to get you to think about it. But touch is far more powerful than a physical response. I mean, who remembers here the first time you touched someone that you love? You know, I remember a a year later when I was 15, sitting in church next to Susan, and we weren't singing Bind Us Together, but during the sermon, her knee touched my knee. And she didn't take it away. She was such a floozy back then. And I wanted that sermon to go on forever. I'm sitting there going, you preach it, brother. Let's let's go all the way through Ezekiel. You know, preach about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I want to hear it again. I didn't want that touch to stop. You see, a touch is powerful. A touch isn't just a physical response. It does something in our heart. Now some of you will remember being in a hospital and someone took a hold of your hand and it gave you incredible comfort and strength. Some of you will remember being at a funeral and a friend simply put an arm around you or embraced you while you were crying and they didn't have a word that made any sense to say to you. But they were there, they were present and they embraced you And it changed something on the inside. It wasn't just a physical response. It changed something in your heart. You see, a touch of compassion is powerful. I'm related to an old farmer who is, you know, a fairly typical, crusty old farmer, hardworking man. I remember when his father was dying. His father was in his 80s and he was in his 60s. And in the last couple of weeks of his life, he found himself having to help his father up and dress his father and shower his father and carry his father to bed. I remember him saying to us in the first couple of weeks of doing this, he found himself just laying in bed at night, just crying his eyes out. And at first he couldn't work out why, but after a few weeks he realised it wasn't so much that his dad was sick. He was ready to let his dad go. He realized that his entire life, he'd never, ever been embraced by his father. He'd never felt the touch of his father any more than a simple handshake. And as this 60-year-old tough farmer began to embrace his father and his father embraced him, it just ministered to his heart. There was just a tender compassion that began to well up in his heart. There is great power in a simple touch. Sometimes it's not 
rocket science to make a difference in someone's life. There's great power in a simple touch. You know, we've all got some things that we like to touch and things that we don't like to touch. You know, when Susan was pregnant, you know, uh, people would want to come and touch her stomach and feel the baby. Like random people. Like, like everyone in our church. That, you know, it's like, what do you want to touch her stomach for? I, I, I didn't. It was gross. It was, like, it was like there was an alien growing inside of her. You know, I've, uh, I'm going to be a, a grandfather this year. And I've now got a daughter. I can't believe this. I've got a daughter that's pregnant. And people are coming up to her and touching her stomach. I'm thinking, that's gross. Don't do that. But yesterday, they had a gender reveal party. I, uh, I didn't know that was a thing, to be honest. And I found out that we're going to have a little granddaughter. You might as well know. The whole world knows on Facebook. But you see, I, I don't want to touch my daughter's stomach. But as I went to bed last night, I started to imagine myself holding a granddaughter in my arms. And I started to well up. And so I just thought about, I, couldn't, I can't even touch her yet. But as I started to think about just touching and holding a little granddaughter in my arms, it does something in my heart. As I was thinking about that last night, I, I, can you believe I'm old enough to be a grandfather? I mean, I mean, Susan's obviously old enough, but I, I just can't believe it. You know, when, when we started ministry here at Gateway, Joey was two years old. And now I'm going to be a grandpa. And as I was thinking about that, I continued to well up a little bit because I just thought of all the people who have touched my kids' lives in this church over the last 15 years. You've reached out your hands and you've blessed my family. You've, you've opened the Bible with them. You've used your hands to pray for them and with them. Some of you have, have had your hands on them as they, they stood in the baptistry there and they declared their faith in Jesus in some of the really high times in life. Some of you have also sat in a hospital with us in some of the darkest times of our life. And you didn't have words to say that, you know, really cut it. But you were there and you held our daughter's hand or you held our hand. And your compassionate touch has actually shaped our family. I, I'm just so thankful to be part of a church family that, that has the compassion of Jesus in your heart. And such a privilege to be part of a community that wants to keep reaching out to more and more people, more and more families, that, that would be touched by the compassion of Jesus and their lives would be changed forever. You know, we've all got some things that we like to touch and we, we don't like to touch. This leper in this story, no one liked to touch him. But Jesus was so moved with tender compassion that he reaches out and touches the person 
that everybody else thought was beyond reach. You see, this series we're starting today is called No One Is Beyond Reach. And I know with absolute confidence when I read these stories and all the stories of Jesus that there's absolutely no one in this city, in this nation, in this world that's beyond the reach of God's heart. There isn't. His heart is moved with tender compassion for every person, every lost person, every sick person, every struggling person, every, every person that's confused about their identity, every, every, every person you know, that's struggling with depression and anxiety, every person that's wearied by life. No one that you ever lock eyes with is beyond the reach of God's heart. There is no one. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to continue to reach out and be the hands and feet of Jesus today, to reach out to people that feel like they're untouchable, unreachable, unlovable. And I tell you, it's going to be as inconvenient for us as it was for Jesus. This was inconvenient for Jesus. Jesus is so moved by compassion, he can't help himself but reach out and touch him and heal him. But then he says, please don't tell anyone. Don't, I don't want the word getting out. This guy's so overwhelmed, he can't help it, tells everyone, and it gets really inconvenient for Jesus. People come from everywhere. People come from everywhere wanting what he's not uh, coming to give. They're wanting him to come and enforce political power to overthrow the Romans, to provide for them materially. That's not what he's coming to do. He's actually coming to die a sacrificial death. And this is inconvenient to have all these people coming to him for the wrong reasons and I tell you as we continue the ministry of Jesus today and we reach out we be the hands of Jesus in our community our nation and our world it's going to be inconvenient for us it's going to be costly for us it's going to cost time it's going to cost money it's going to get messy but let me just quickly run through some of the things I believe that uh, God is calling us to do as we, uh, as we give to Gateway Beyond over the next few weeks. You know, we are believing that God's called us to have a care ministry like you saw on the screen in all of our campuses. And just have a guess how many food parcels our Gateway Care Ministries will give out to families this year. On the screen... Okay, if you get the answer right at our Gateway Beyond desk out in the foyer, there's a fantail for you. You don't get a whole food parcel, just one tiny little fantail. But uh, I'll give you a hint, it's in the thousands. All right, if you get it right. How many counselling appointments? I'll tell you this one, 2,445 counselling appointments, 154 people came to our community care Christmas lunch last year who had nowhere else to go for Christmas. 40 families like Abby and Love uh, will be part of our on-track program and find all sorts of help. These are families not just coming in for one food parcel, but these are families we're going to do the journey with, help lift them, help, or really help them lift themselves up out of poverty and find the hope and the healing healing that Jesus comes to bring, not just physically, but spiritually. Be praying for those 40 families. But we believe God is calling us to see a care center and a care ministry happen in all of our campuses. And uh, this year we're believing uh, Redlands and Logan Campus will have care ministries established and your giving will help us to do that. We believe that God has called us to see more people in more places come to know Jesus by planting more campuses in our nation and 
And uh, this year, actually July 21, we are going to plant a campus in the city with Pastor Andrew and Megan Circum. And there's a whole bunch of people that are going to go. And the people in the city are going to get reached with the love and the power of Jesus. We're going to build a permanent home for ministry down at Ormo, where families can come in, in one of the fastest growing areas for young families in southeast Queensland are going to come in. It's going to be a permanent home for all of our ministry. You know, there's a hundred young people at our Friday night programs down there in a church that started seven years ago with one teenager. You know, God is at work and we're going to see a permanent home for ministry down there. And we're going to do some work here that's going to welcome more people through these doors than what we ever have before. And we're going to continue to send some awesome people around the world, some gateway global workers that are going to go around the world and shine a light for the gospel in some really dark places. Just in the last few weeks, we've seen because of your giving in the past and because some people here have been willing to go and use their hands to heal, this is what is happening. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, just a few weeks ago, there's a training center for doctors where there simply just isn't enough doctors to heal people of all sorts of disease and violence that's happening in that community. Because of your giving, there is a new training center that's been opened. Hands will be used to heal people in, uh, in Goma, a bit further north in, uh, in, in northern Uganda, in, uh, in Kitkum, through the ministry of Yokcom. Just a couple of weeks ago, a, a child health and maternity clinic opened where women uh, are dying and kids are dying under trees as they give birth under trees and kids are dying of preventable diseases. All the time are going to come into this cool looking place. People that love Jesus are going to use their hands to heal them in a community where hands have been used to wound for far too long. It's because of your giving. And you know, just on Friday night, some girls whose hands were literally chained up at some stage in the last 10 years, literally trained up as sex trafficked, trafficked into, into uh, awful, dark business, being raped multiple times every night, hands literally chained up. You know, a couple of these girls won a silver award at the International Cake Show on Friday night for their cake. That's what they did with their hands. They're sugar flowers, not real flowers. They use their hands for something beautiful. And Jesus has been healing them one day at a time. And the girls who made these cool cookies, who I reckon probably taste better, but don't look quite as cool as the cake, they won bronze. You know, they're getting internationally recognised. These girls' hands were chained up. Hey, it is going to be inconvenient to do all this. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is inconvenient. It's going to cost a lot of time and energy. And I'm going to ask us, because I believe God is asking us to give $1.2 million to Gateway Beyond this year to see all of this happen in our community, our nation, and our world. I know it's inconvenient, but I believe that God's going to do it. And I believe we can all be a part of it. And we can see the healing power of Jesus continue to touch people's lives all around the world. But let me just bring it home to our lives as we finish this morning. 
This is what we're going to do together, but there's some things that we can do just this week, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. You know, we don't have many lepers that we know, but we can be the healing hands of Jesus for people today. We are living in a city that's got a loneliness epidemic, not so much a leprosy epidemic. You know, in the last uh, 36 hours, I've, I've preached at two, six sermons at two men's events on the north side of Brisbane. And I just love the opportunity to do that. You know what? After every message, I just found myself praying for lonely blokes. Successful blokes, tough blokes, blokes that kind of look like they got their life together. But blokes that are hurting and in pain and they got no one to talk to about it. And some of them, as I put my hand on them and prayed for them, they said to me afterwards, no one has done that for me for years. That's nice today, actually, to have some women in the room. I was getting a little bit too testosterone out. It's nice for a bit of variety. I, I believe that God wants to do that in our lives and through our lives, whether we're male or female. There's a loneliness epidemic in our community. Have a listen to this quote. Too often we underestimate the power of touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. If you think about it, you know that's true for you. You know, there was a time where, where someone just did something simple and kind with their hands that blessed you. A time they put their arm around you, a time they reached out in forgiveness, a time they embraced you, a time they used their hands to create something beautiful for your pleasure, a time they wrote a letter to encourage you, a time they put a hand on your shoulder to, to, and you felt the empowering and the strengthening of God come through them. You know, a, a time where they cooked a casserole for you when you, you know, at the end of your rope. Can we put our hands together for all the casserole cookers in this church? We, we don't show many videos on the screen about the casserole cooking ministry, but you know you've been blessed by it. You know, we can all do something simple to touch people's lives around us. Your hands can be the healing hands of Jesus. Your hands can write a letter, can cook a meal, can put an arm around someone, can embrace you see, what's, what we do with our hands reveals what's in our heart and sometimes we underestimate the power of a simple touch to turn one person's life around. You know, Jesus' Jesus' heart is filled com for compassion, with compassion for us in the same way it was filled with compassion for that leper. You see, what Jesus does with his hands reveals what's in God's heart. And at the end of his life, Jesus stretched out his hands and they were nailed to a cross. You see, we might not have a skin condition today, but all of us stand before God on our own unclean and unable to make ourselves clean. We've all sinned and that sin whether it's a six-foot separation from God, a hundred-cubit separation from God, it's a separation from God that you cannot make up for yourself. 
Because he's perfect. He's perfectly clean and you're not. And so when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come to punish us for our sin. He didn't come to point an accusing finger. What Jesus did with his hands was he stretched them out and he allowed them to be nailed to a cross. And see, what he did in becoming flesh is that he took all the uncleanness of our flesh on his flesh. He became unclean before his father. And he put all of our uncleanness, our dirtiness, our sin to death on that cross. You see, Jesus reached out his hands and allowed them to be nailed to a cross so that you could never reach your sins again. That's the good news. He he reached out his hands so you can never reach the punishment, the penalty for your sins ever again. You see, if you call out to Jesus like the leper and say, if you're willing, make me clean. Jesus will still say to you, like he said to the leper, leper, I am willing. Of course I'm willing. Be clean. And the Scriptures tells us that he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Beyond reach. What once caused you to be beyond the reach of God's love has now been put beyond your reach so that you can become clean before God. And that distance that was once between you and God is gone. He'll embrace you with open arms. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads for a minute this morning. If you're here this morning and you haven't called out to Jesus and say, please make me clean, please save me from my sin, I, I, I want to follow you. As my Lord and Saviour, I want you to wash me clean. I want you to make me new. I want to be embraced by the Father. If this morning you want to put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, I'm just going to, while every eye is closed at the moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and say, I want to pray a prayer with you. If that's you this morning, come on, just stick your hand up right now. Come on, use your hand to actually express your faith. You know, what's going on in your heart, you know, or with your hands, the picture of what's in your heart. If in your heart this morning, there's bless you, that's awesome. Bless you, that's cool. Who else this morning? Just say, that's what's going on in my heart. I want Jesus to save me, to make me clean. Who else this morning wants to pray that prayer? Just stick your hand up just so I can see it. That's awesome. You can put that hand down. Awesome up the back. You can put your hand down too. Anybody else this morning? Hey, just pray with me. Just pray with me this morning if that's you. Father, thank you that you've always loved me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for me. I ask this morning that you would forgive my sins and make me clean. Jesus, I want to walk with you and be embraced with you, by you, and follow you for the rest of my life. I pray in Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.